Welcome to Mystery Osiris and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we are talking about the OC, at least for now. Oh, for not long, though. For not long. It's, uh, again, to the time where we return to... Uh, to that old town that we remember so fondly. And we don't know where it is, but it's called Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Connecticut? It's, it's in the Pacific Northeast. No, it can't be. The maple trees. No, air. that's the joke. <laughs> because River- it's filmed in the Pacific Northwest. It is around New York and has maple trees. And also grizzly bears. Yeah. It is, well, I mean, that was when you went to Canada, though, which, as we all know, once you cross that border, it's just pure wilderness. You just live in the mountains. The Rocky Mountains, they're everywhere. You don't don't hit Niagara on the lake or Bernie. Not Bernie. Barry. Barry. Called it Bernie. Or Toronto. Toronto. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Barry is north of Toronto. What's that? What else is that? I'm thinking, what am I thinking that is south of Toronto? London. I think it's, I might be. Windsor. Windsor. No, Windsor was what I was confusing with. Yeah. No, it was Windsor I was confusing. Windsor is basically Detroit, but it's in Canada, so it's lovely. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I was thinking the one where it's the all the kids from Detroit crossover to drink <laughs> two years earlier, three years earlier. Now, we do understand. Two years earlier, because it's Ontario. Yes, when they're 19. Yeah. Now, for the record, we do understand that Detroit is going through a revitalization, and it's becoming a really cool town, but Windsor is still better. Because <laughs> it's Canadian. Because <laughs> it's got that health care. It's got that healthcare and those 19-year-olds legally buying booze, which makes them go less crazy. Yeah. We have some listeners in Michigan. <laughs> Detroit is in Michigan. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. Maybe they're in Detroit, or maybe they're in Windsor, and our stats are just confused. <laughs> so it's like, ah, Ontario, Michigan, same thing. Yeah, same thing. If you are from Michigan, thank you for listening. And please tell us, how is it? How's Detroit doing? Do you go to Canada? For alcohol, we go to Detroit for cheap shopping. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is the that is the trade off that we've made. You could you come to Canada for alcohol, we go to Detroit for, for, cheap, for, shopping. for cheap shopping. One of those is much less harmful to the the Al- local culture, but although our dollar needs to become better so the shopping can be cheap once more, make Canada great again for cheap shopping <laughs> in the states. Yeah, that's the slogan we use. All That's right. How politics works. That's how politics works. All right. Well, let's let's move southwards, away from Michigan and Ontario, uh, down and also sideways. Yeah, down past Montana and Ohio and Idaho. The nice thing is that because we're going from Michigan to uh, California, I could just say any state that's not like Louisiana, and I'm. I'm I'm at least somewhere in the area. I mean, you could probably take a route that goes from Michigan to California that goes through Louisiana. <laughs> just yeah, just take a wide sweep if you really don't want to hit those Midwest states. And you know what? Some people don't. Yep some some people don't want to hit all those squares in the middle of the country, and I mean that by the shape of the state. And also the and, squares. And also all the squares with their pocket protectors and their thick glasses, living in. Iowa. You know, I was talking to this guy once on an online dating. He was like, so you're an actress who doesn't smoke cigarettes or weed? I don't believe it. And I, mean, I was like, oh. Most, I mean, I... most actors these days don't smoke cigarettes. Because that hurts your voice. And we need that. And he was like, maybe you were just a square. I mean, I'm a writer who do- who doesn't drink or oh, do heroin. Yeah, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a... 
I'm a terrible writer. I should be on everything, just sitting in my basement stewing and writing the next great Canadian novel, which is probably about the prairies. Uh, no, it's about a dystopian future for you or Margaret Atwood. Nah, well, yes. Uh, but she had other she had other books. <laughs> Most of her books are about dystopian futures, though. That's true. She is the uh, weirdest sci-fi writer out there, because whenever you're like, you know, noted sci-fi writers such as Neil Gaiman or Margaret Atwood, people are like, Margaret Atwood? And like, you're like, think about like, yeah. it. <laughs> no, she writes sci-fi. She is a sci-fi writer. She writes literary sci-fi. But she writes sci-fi. Because, like, what else is dystopian fiction? Yeah. Sci-fi. That is sci-fi. That is science fiction. It does not have magic. Although, there might be a little bit of magic in the Mad Adam trilogy. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, probably. I don't, I, I, honestly, writers don't care too much about the genre until after they're done writing. As long as it's going to sell. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the secret for all of you. There. The genre is really more for the readers. We just write the book and then we figure out what it is after. So everyone, welcome to our book podcast. Hey, we're going to be talking about the OC here. So let's get right into it because it's been five minutes. Ooh. <laughs> this is the this is the OC season three episode eighteen, the undertow. The undertow. The undertow is Jess. The Undertow is Jess, who is back. Jess has returned, and I think is alive now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't sure, but suddenly she's interacting with a lot of people. Yeah, she has been, she has somehow been resurrected and fused with Sandy from the beginning of Greece. Accurate. (laughs) But that's not where we begin. We begin with the boys playing some video games and Seth not stressing out about his second interview, you know, his first interview, but the second one he had scheduled, yeah. with Brown. It's yeah. in 11 hours. His, his new plan is to not worry about it, which I guess means this is late night tomorrow. Yeah, okay, cool. The 11 hours makes sense. Yep. First thing in the morning tomorrow. Um, but hey, guess who's there? Because there's Summer and there's the Seth. Boys? Ryan, otherwise colloquially known as The Boys. It's Summer and the Boys, the hot new band. (laughs) Also, surprise, it's Sadie with snacks and video game skills. Like real, like, like heavy snacks, like, like, like hostess fruit, uh, not fruit, hostess snack cakes, I guess. Yep. 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 She has all the teen snacks. Yep. And she teen commercial would have. Yeah. And she, she can beat uh, Seth of the game. Though she does seem to say that she put in a cheat code. Which... That she found on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, man, she knows how to use cheat codes and the internet. Summer does give Ryan this look, look like she knows how to use the internet. I don't even know what the internet is. She's like, look at how much better she is than Marissa. For you. For Marissa just pushes computers onto the ground. <laughs> That's true. She does. And she says this, this with her eyes, but also with her voice. So really what this is all setting up is that Sadie is like part of the group she is really fit like even even summer's like look i love marissa she's my best friend sadie is the opposite of marissa and much better for you (laughs) however they're not they they don't use the g word i mean seth does and everyone everyone freaks out (laughs) (laughs) your your girl your 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 friend just friend (laughs) uh but oh no here's a ring at the doorbell or a knock it's insignificant because it's jess yeah she's a character <laughs> she's blonde very blonde much more blonde than before she was blonde before but i think her hair 
I don't. Her hair is a wig now. Yeah, now she's like platinum blonde. She dresses all in pink. Essentially, she had some summer loving, and now ha- she had her a blast. And she has brought Ryan a gift from Trey. Yes, because they lived together in Vegas. Yes, she she still keeps in touch with Trey. Because they lived together for a while, for a couple of months in Vegas. But then she moved a few months back, which I guess means they lived together for, like, four or five months? Well, and this comes up later, but now she's in university. I think that, I think that was, I think we knew that she was graduating yeah, last year. Yeah, but, like, she's gotten her life together, like, full stop. Her four-month <laughs> trip to Me- Vegas, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> was she going to university while she was in Vegas? Well, she goes to, like, UCLA. Not that, but, like, yeah, the UCA version of it. Is what they yeah, UCA is they call it. She brought him a present from Trey, a late birthday present, because Ryan's, Ryan's birthday, birthday was... was last episode. Yeah. Which means that she, she, like, he sent it to her, I guess? Or she visited him, and he was like, take this back. Yeah, I don't know. There, Honestly, that doesn't matter too much. It is something that I will dwell on. A lot. <laughs> there are a lot of things about Jess that <laughs> there like, is a new writing team who did not know old Jess. Okay, let's make this clear. Jess is not a ghost anymore, but she's not a human either. No, she's like a she, succubus. She, she's like a cosmic force. She cannot be. De- she cannot be perceived as a character. In fact, I don't think she would be, be perceived directly. I think you have to look kind of like. She had to catch out of the corner of her eye because if you ever look directly at her, she becomes someone else. Because she does not function as humans function. <laughs> no, she has... She's decided that Ryan is her best friend. <laughs> Forever. Like, hey, Ryan, and if you want to talk about this, you know where I live. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> why would he possibly <laughs> would he, know that? Why would he know where you live? And here's the crazy thing. He does know where where she lives, which means that she must have, in that moment, psychically implanted this information into his head. Because there's no other logical explanation. There is no other logical explanation for the kind of person she is. So the next morning, I assume after just sitting there and staring at the little present for 11 hours? Yeah, that's the only, that's the only thing I can come up with either. Ryan opens the present, and it's a little beat-up toy race car. Yeah. Seth wants all the information about why he has this beat-up toy race car, but it's an inside thing. I had this weird idea, and it's not unfounded from what we know of Trey, that this was a reference to the fact that he stole the car. Because remember when he was accused of stealing that watch and then bought the watch for Ryan. It wouldn't be insane to me to think that Trey was like, hey, Ryan, I got you a toy model of that car you were arrested in. Remember? Because that's what made your life good. Remember? What a, what a funny connection we have now. So while this is going on, Kirsten pops in and she just kind of mums around everything where she's like, Ryan, Jess, Jess. No. Yeah. At this, no, Ryan. At no. this point, Kirsten is putting in the beginning things that she is also involved in this storyline. Once again, in her role as Kirsten, the angel, um, the angel, the omniscient being who will. What now that she has gotten her own life figured out, she's like now time to muck around with everyone else's. Really, people just need to be touched by an angel, and that angel is Kirsten. A hundred percent. Do you know who they should not be touched by though? Either Wojciech or Marissa, because they're both gross in this scene. 
They continue to be gross throughout this entire episode. So Wojciech shows up at Marissa's house. Because he thought she was be at school, which he's not. So I don't know if he's wrong or if she's wrong. <laughs> but he was going to just, I guess, like stick to, like in, like, in a paper bag, the side, like, like next to her door. Well, uh, he is a Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, he was going to stick it, but do you know what's inside it, Aaron? Do you know what's inside it? Remember that uh, $4,000 watch? Or no, it was a $40,000 watch that he wanted $4,000. Anyway, $40,000 Cartier watch. He yeah. did not sell it. No. No, of course he didn't sell it. Remember, he kidnapped her after that. He didn't need to sell that watch. Yeah, he, he she gave him the watch, and then he kidnapped her. That was the sequence of events around that watch. I am troubled with the show, because I think the show wants us to forget that. And feel bad for this sad boy. Yeah, they, they, they really, because later we see her, like, looking at the watch and thinking, about, like, oh, he didn't throw it away. It must mean something. And this is another example. We talked about this at the end of last episode of, or throughout last episode, Marissa's supernatural ability to semi-lobotomize herself and cut her memories into a shape that she would prefer. You know, in this case, the shape where she wasn't kidnapped by Boychuk. Immediately after that whole... Like, she gave him the watch because he was threatening Ryan's, like, life. Oh, yeah, because he wanted Ryan to punch him again. Yeah, he wanted to get in a fight with Ryan. She was like, I don't want you to fight Ryan. Here's a whole bunch of money. Um, And he was like, okay, no, instead I kidnap you to get Ryan to fight me. Remember when Heather was a character? Yeah. That went nowhere. Anyway... Let's move on from that gross scene. To another gross scene. <laughs> so Seth, Seth Brown's interview went great. He bonded with the interviewer over anime. He's excited. Summer's excited. But that is not the point of this scene. The point of this scene is ta- Taylor Townsend is going to come into this episode and just Taylor Townsend all over the place. She's... <laughs> she. She has a lot of feelings about the fact that Summer and Seth are excited. Oh, she is so ex- she is she, no one has shipped Seth and Summer more than Taylor Townsend has shipped them and she wants to have a celebration party with Flan <laughs> but instead Summer and Seth are going to have alone time but not the alone time that Taylor Townsend wants and Taylor Townsend is disturbed about this what happens if Seth goes to school and he sees all these smart girls and he wants to spread his seed <gasps> spread his seed spread his seed yeah what's what summer and Seth are gonna do we're gonna sit around and like because Taylor was like oh yeah house to yourself and someone's like no we're gonna like watch the blade trilogy and hang out which Taylor's like oh no the spark is gone from your relationship once again essentially Taylor is imposing her own worldview upon these people and because she is also, a force of nature. She also is very... Ooh, yeah. So essentially Jess had, like... Like, Jess, is, Jess has become something akin to Taylor Townsend, but, like, the dark reflection of her. Exactly. Because Taylor, though she, you know, messes up as she goes, only spreads joy. <laughs> and in this case, she really wants to, like, dear Abby these two. And uh, we'll talk about that. But first, Ryan is sitting in a chair in the pool house. He has... <laughs> Yeah. No, I think he's inside it, and I think he's opened the windows to the pool. It's hard to tell because that pool house is mostly windows. And he's just sitting there staring at the pool. Yeah, well, staring at the pool, looking at the toy car. It seems very weird because it, sh- it shows one of the flaws of, not flaws, quirks of uh, 
drama shows or TV or just like constructed fiction where Sadie arrives. And I don't know why I'm getting so analytical about this, yeah. but Sadie arrives being like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to take a, I decided to take a break from drywalling. Then does then like they have this little talk. And then Sadie immediately's like, "Well, guess I'm leaving again after I bit after I drove from my house and was here for about thirty seconds." You know, I've had things like that where I'm like, "I'm gonna drop by and hang out with this person," and then they're weirdly sitting there staring at the pool and staring at a car, and I'm like, "I don't want this vibe." I was wrong. <laughs> I uh, I was hoping for something else here, but <laughs> this is not going to be fun. So, really, what she really want? She. She comes and she's like, hey, Ryan, if you want to, you can open up to me about this whole, like, car thing. Or you don't have to, but if you want to, or you could not, but if you want to. And Ryan's like, nope. He's like, well, well now I'm embarrassed, so. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to my flip this house show I'm doing. Which, is no one discussing that there is an end date on this relationship? Because she's selling that house I don't, and I, doesn't live there. I don't know. I don't know if she's leaving anymore. <laughs> no, nothing makes sense. She has a life, I thought. I thought she was going to... I mean, she, no, she has a jewelry business. Yeah, which she can do from anywhere. Yeah, so I guess she's actually... She doesn't go to um, university. No, she, she, she was going to go she, drive around and so get like, people to sell her jewelry. So I guess she could just be like, yeah, I'm going to put down roots now in... Newport. In Newport. And I mean, come on, those people would love, like, like kitschy, one-of-a-kind one jewelry. She All she has to do is team up with Kristen and Julie, and it's like a sideline to the dating Yeah, no, I... I yeah, I, I... It is still weird, because I keep on thinking that, like, because her mom essentially sent her down, but mm -hmm. she was coming down anyway as a whole thing. But then she would be moving to Newport for a boy, and I don't like that. I don't necessarily is that her move to Newport for a boy. I think I would. She well, is making friends now. You're, you're, and and you're saying if that was the other way around. Yeah. In this case, it just seems like she's like, well, I like him. I not don't really have roots anywhere. I might as well stay might, here for a while and see what happens. Yeah, might as well put down roots here because she's a traveling nomad. Ooh. So, uh, here's a weird scene. We finally get to meet Doctor Griffin. Yeah, he uh, Sandy gets a meeting with him. He uh, shows up to see Sandy and immediately tells him there have been complaints about Matt's behavior. Matt's you know, party and lifestyle. As a 27, 26 year old man would. Well, not only that, not only that, uh, you mean the thing that got them, like the contract, the contract, the thing, the thing that they didn't want to do. Yeah, you know that so thing. So apparently, the board doesn't want to be connected to it, and he's like, "Now you need to fire Matt. This is the only option. You need to fire Matt. Otherwise, we won't build a hospital. <laughs> Otherwise, we won't build this hospital for like you. You won't be the what? It doesn't even sound like they're going to go with someone else. They're just not going to build the hospital, which is an insane threat. Fire Matt, or we won't build this hospital. <laughs> this doctor should be disbarred. <laughs> this doctor is terrible, and we will learn more and more about him and how terrible he is. I'm sorry. He is not holding up his side of the Hippocratic Oath. No. He, he, it's almost like a hypocrite. Uh, uh, hypocritic Oath. Good work. <laughs> Do you like how to whisper it out first? <laughs> to make sure the joke works. This is the second podcast I've recorded today. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll be funny for both of us. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, we get a quick scene here between Seth and Ron. This is essentially their moment in the episode where they recap what happened in the episode, except for it has it's not too been... too early. It's way too early. So all they really talk about 
is like Ryan has to make is another choice thing. Ryan's like, I could hang out with Sadie, or I could go to Jess's house and talk about Trey. And what Seth sets it up as, which is, I, I like this comparison a lot more than last episodes, where it's like, yeah, either you can live in the past or embrace the present. You and got- in this case, he's using it as a metaphor, but also correct. Mm-hmm. So Ryan has to make a choice. Through metaphor. All right, let's... uh. Let's head back to Marissa. Who is moping at the lifeguard <laughs> who, stand. Who, man, they do they just do like three nights of shoots at the sad lifeguard stand for the entire season? Well, I mean, Marissa also now has flashbacks, so yeah. we're doing all sorts of new yep. things. She's she's looking at that watch and not thinking of the time that Volchuk kidnapped her. Nope, she's thinking back to last episode when she called him. <laughs> And he came to the lifeguard stand because she called him. So, in order to get these flashbacks out of her head... She goes to her new best friend, who we did not realize was a best friend. It's Matt. It's Matt. She knows where Matt lives. And she's decided to go there because she just... She can't be alone in the trailer, and Summer's hanging out with Seth, so... And her mom's out of town because of the whole cruise thing. Now, Marissa goes to school again. (laughs) Yeah. Is there not a single other person at that school who is age appropriate and not being forced into being friends with her? Yeah, that's like, uh, sure, I'm going out of town, so if you want to use my place, whatever. I guess you can be alone here instead of being alone in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm not going to be here. You realize that, right? But sure, you could. Uh, really, what it, what it comes down to is Marissa didn't want to sleep in uh, a trailer, she wanted to sleep in a nice, like, penthouse apartment. Marissa, you know, it's too bad that Taylor Townstead was busy doing other things this episode, because Taylor would have loved to be Marissa's friend. I mean, even Summer would have been like, yeah, Marissa, I'm not going to be around, but you can stay at my place as well, which is less creepy than you, like... Staying at Matt's house. Than than you forcing your... And I'd be like, really, Matt just be like, yeah, sure, I guess. Now, is this the best choice Matt has ever made? No. But, but when Marissa is right there... Well, and and also, like, he has no idea anything, like, going on around him. He's just sort of like, okay, sure. Well, you're, I mean, I was, you're sort of like another daughter to my boss, well, so I, I guess I, I better take care of you. That's sort of what I'm thinking, that, that he's like, you're like my boss's... You're like my boss's family? If I send you away, he's going to get pissed. <laughs> So, you sent you sent away my you know like my <laughs> Matt. She's a seventeen year old, and you just sent her away into the night because because Sandy would be like, oh yes, of course you can stay in my house, of course. Yep. Uh, <sighs> anyway, so that happened. Meanwhile, while that's happening, Seth pops up to put in the third blade. Oh, I guess yeah, that's right. She can't go over there because Summer and Seth are hanging out. Yeah. So she want to interrupt them. Okay, cool. But. Unfortunately, Summer has been set adrift by Taylor Townstead. Chaotic waves. And so she tries to seduce Seth, but Seth does, Seth does not understand how seduction works. He's used to just being thrown onto his back and ravished. Which, I mean, yes, that's exactly how Summer does it. Accurate. Which means Seth tries to, like, seduce her back, which also doesn't work. And the vibe is wrecked. Now they just watch Blade. It turns out Ryan has made a choice. And his choice is to live in the present and the past. <laughs> He's got to hang out with Sadie. After he goes to see Jess, he gives her a call and says, 
I'll see you in 20 minutes, which in OC means he will not see her in 20 minutes. He absolutely will not. There has never been a moment in this season, in this series, where someone has called someone, said, hi, I'll be there. At any given time. At any point. If you let someone know you are going to be somewhere, you will not be there. Something will happen. It's much better to just arrive there and be like, oh, you're fixing a hole in your wall. Well, I'm here now. Yeah, just walk into people's houses. They like it. Instead, he has a meeting with Jess because he knows where she lives. Jess, who is wearing a robe. Jess, who is about to go for a swim, which she very explicitly tells him. (laughs) This entire scene is very clearly just trying to seduce Ryan and Ryan being like, no, no, Now she does mention that Trey has a specific way of sucking you in. And I'm like, absolutely not. You have a specific way of stalking (laughs) Trey. No, no, yeah. And he does not want you around. (laughs) She spends so much of the episode being like, it's Trey. Trey is the, like, Trey is the crux of all this. But as you watch it, you're like, Jess, I think it's you. Jess, we saw the show. (laughs) Jess, we see you. Right now, at this moment. We see what you're doing to Ryan. I don't think Trey's the problem. So, she does have this thing where she's like, where... She can't even really give him all that much information. She's mostly just like, oh, I believe Trey misses you. He never says it, or indicates it, or implies it in any way. But But is he someone who would do that? No. (laughs) Ryan, pay attention to me. I have a type. My type is Trey, and my current boyfriend, Jim, and also you, dangerous boys. Yeah. And Ryan's like, excuse me, I'm a grown-up man architect. I'm not a dangerous boy. She, Ryan's like, Ryan tries to leave. And so she'd be like, okay, I think we're done here. He's like, no, no, you have to know something. Trey is dealing. And Ryan's like, "Mm?" Blackjack off the strip. No, on the strip. He has a great job. I thought she said just off the strip. (laughs) Either way. Thanks, Jess. (laughs) Yeah, cool way of doing that. Um, And then... Somehow that still convinces him to stay. Jess does like the like the walk upstairs and drop her robe as she goes up. It is the most shameless like flirting style. And Ryan does a full eye roll when he sees that. Yet he does not leave. Yeah, that is the thing. That is that is it's it's insane to watch Ryan both be incredibly aware of what's going on, but unable to like pull himself away from it. It's like she has bewitched him, which she has. Actually, in this case, I'll say that this is just that this person has completely pegged the kind of person Ryan... Actually, I don't think she's pegged the kind of person Ryan is. I think she has accidentally stumbled upon Ryan's, like, string. And then now that she's found it, oh, we'll watch this episode. Alright, this actually straight cuts to Ryan boxing again. Ryan is dealing with his very enraging emotions in a very healthy manner. Yep. Uh, Which Kirsten comes in and sees, and she's like, Ah, I see you're dealing with your emotions. Excellent. Would you like to share them with me? You also have emotions, so let's talk about this. Um, She makes a very... Astute point? She makes a very astute point that turns out to be correct, but at this point... Well, I knew it was correct at this point as well, because she said it. Um, (laughs) And that is her purpose True. is to be correct in this latter half of the season it's she's she is an angel angelic being let's just yes deal it's with fine it. um she says that uh ryan you believe you need to help jess and i'm like at what point did jess seem like she needed help ryan only hangs out with girls when he wants to help <laughs> yeah them. that's all i can imagine she's like ah i do not know jess but i assume she you think she needs help well you know Teresa with her baby Lindsay with her being poor no, Sadie with her house flipping? No, it's 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 totally right, and it's totally, like, 
appropriate for the character. Kirsten is I, just I, assuming because it's love, Ryan. I love Kirsten just nails it. She nails it before the audience realizes that Jess is someone who needs help. Because honestly, when you first saw her in that thing, she didn't seem like she was someone who was like a damsel in distress type character. It seemed like she was like, yeah, she's do. She's she doing fine. did say to him too many times that she was getting her life together. <laughs> okay, so that was, that's the idea. That was my... Also, anytime a girl goes that blonde, ugh. I mean, mostly I just knew it because she was Jess who was back in the series. And she wasn't going to come back and be like... I mean, because no one returns to the show being like, everything's fine right now. Except for Luke. When yeah. he was in the PL. That's because he never went, came back to the OC. He was in his own city. That's true. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. came to him. Well, um, yeah, so... Uh, that's just, that. Yeah, that's that. They just sort of talk about Jess and how Ryan needs to help her, and I didn't realize that she needed help. Here's a very short, very upsetting scene for Sandy. <laughs> And kind of for us as well. Sandy goes to Matt's house to have a talk with him about his partying ways. But Marissa is there. And Sandy's like, hmm, this won't do well for Matt's optics. Yeah, I'm I'm just like, oh, oh, this is what we're doing. And I thought they were going to go a lot worse. With, I thought they were going to do a lot worse with it. And then they kind of went there anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah, all I'm going to say is that Marissa is... Is wearing pajamas because she slept there. And Matt and, is gone. And I swear, I th- she she stole one of his jerseys. Oh, that is definitely his clothes. And there's no way that he gave it to her. No. No, she... I think he may have left last night. I think he did, because he's like, oh, yeah, no, you can use this place. I'll be gone. Like, I won't be here. You can stay the weekend, I guess, because I'm not going to be here, but... Which begs the question... What kind of meetings is Matt going to that Sandy didn't know that Matt would be gone? He has By his... <laughs> meetings, does he mean sex? No, I think I think we're I think the show has really broadened whatever they are doing. Because remember he also he also got a call from a client in the last episode. Oh, that's like, true. I th- so they're not just doing the hospital, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I and I think that's a smart way of doing it. I also think that Matt's I think the thing is that Matt and Sandy are working in the hospital together because it's a big thing, but Matt has his own projects going on. And Sandy probably also has his own Which projects. is the only way that company, as we saw from the SI, could actually survive because there's actually that... Oh, there's a whole bunch of people who work there. And it is a big company. 100%. Uh, so, Sandy makes... Marissa leave. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't. He leaves. But he's also like, you oh. need to not stay here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So, this is what we're doing now. Our best friend is back. Taylor, Summer... Taylor descends, from, not even descends from heaven, she just sort of apparates. She apparates from behind Summer. So Summer goes to get pick up some pancakes from the diner, and Taylor, Taylor apparates. Taylor apparates behind her, and Taylor is way too into Summer and Seth's sex life. She's like, oh, you're picking up the after, you know, the after sex breakfast because you drew the short straw. What kind of sex did you have? And uh, Summer is not into this. <laughs> Summer, Summer also did not consider the way to get out of it by being like, I don't want to... None of your business. <laughs> I don't want to tell you. Taylor, I know that you're super into kink, but please, don't force your lifestyle on me. Unfortunately, she just reveals to Summer that there was no sex. <gasps> and now Taylor... <laughs> is involved. <laughs> Taylor is involved. Whether... Oh, man, whether Seth, Summer, or God wanted her to be, Taylor is involved. This is what Taylor has taken on as her own personal mission. 
All right, well, Ryan heads over to Sadie's to, I guess, finally finish up this house flip. He apologizes for not showing up last night, and he's like, but I'm here to help a lot today, and also, I'm going to buy you dinner. Yeah, we're going to have it. Well, I mean, actually, Sadie asks him out on a date. And he's like, oh, yes, I should have done that. Yes, we will have a date. This will be a date that we will have together, and I will not be a mess of a human being anymore. And maybe I should tell you things, but I won't, because I'm Ryan, and I don't talk. Right, uh, so we let's let's go over to where um Sandy is talking to Kirsten. Uh, yes, because he, and he 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 does say this. Like, well, I know nothing happened, but Matt should know better. And then Kirsten's like, Matt's twenty six, and in man years, that means he is a child. <laughs> um, not that my my go to as I as I wrote down is that the image of Matt just being like, well, that's exactly what you would do. That's yeah, exactly. Sandy, that's a hundred percent what you would do. That's actually what you told Marissa she should have done. Is go to you. If any child shows up on your doorstep, you protect that child. <laughs> you take them in and you help them. Uh, anyway, so Kirsten says, no, then you should you need to talk to him. So the boys come in. There's some banter about parent sex, but then it's disturbed by Ryan getting a phone call. It's Jess. She's crying. We can tell from the <laughs> things that Ryan says. Yeah, it's something, something is going on. And Kirsten hates it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, this is this will this will continue a trend of just just being over a, the top. Just being a person who I have actually interacted with in real life. Like this is the most realistic portrayal of a person like this because I have had I have I've had female friends who have just like who like at three a.m. are like I'm going through something really big and I need someone here. I'm like what. I've also had friends who have done that, and they've been men. Yeah. And I have gone and picked them up from bars at 2 a.m. when it shuts down, and we've been driving on the Deerfoot, and they have hopped out of my car to run away and climb up a thing that's under construction. Yeah. It's, it's the sort of people that you learn at a certain point, like, this honestly is better if I'm just like, this is not, this is not my deal. Yep. And you need to figure out how to cope with your emotions. In a healthy way. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this week, what made you happy? What made me happy this week? Um, you talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but we played City of Mist for the first time this week. Yes, we did. We got we did our first session. We did level zero before. Yeah, we did our session zero. And uh, now we played it, and I've never actually played a role-playing game before for fun. I've only played them for profit, (laughs) a.k.a. on podcasts. Yep. And also, this is a very different role-playing game, because it's it's not based on, like, heavy crunch systems like D&D or Pathfinder. This is, for anyone out there who knows uh, role-playing systems, this is a combination of Fate and Apocalypse World. And I got to roleplay a character who spent one of the times when she was in the spotlight just flipping off a poster of her brother. <laughs> you had a very, uh, very personal experience. As we were dealing with other things, you and uh, our friend Jeremy's character, who's a co-host of Third Space, had your own adventures going on. <laughs> but it had nothing to do with any raised stakes at all. But that's that's sort of like the purpose of that game, is that the, all those like emotional stuff, all the um, the personal stuff are... A part of like like that is actually something that is a thing with that system. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you guys gotta do that. I I did it. I had a lot of like mi- like stuff math- that was related to the actual mystery. Yeah, actual crime based stuff. That's pretty much all I did. 
Although I was wondering when I was doing it, I was like, have I listened to too many role-playing podcasts where I'm like, what can I do for the laughs? No, that's how I play. I honestly do role-playing games with the idea that I'm trying to make everyone who's with me have, Entertained? Yeah, have, like you're all playing together. Whenever, whenever you're playing a board game, whenever you're doing that, treating it like you're performative for the other who at the table makes – it's just more fun. <laughs> And I feel like our group was into it because, like, our GM is making a uh, playlist for the yeah. first season that he's going to make available to us on Spotify. Yeah. So. I'm going to send him the, the entire, uh, <laughs> the the best of Smash Mouth. I have that CD somewhere. <laughs> our game takes place in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it's all 90s music. Kevin, what made you happy this week? Um, I mean, I think it would have to be that uh, last night, me and you, this me and you again. We went yeah. and we saw It Chapter 2, which... It was so good. It was so good. Now, I I heard some people say that, you know, it's, uh, you know, slow with these things like that. The thing is that it is not a horror movie. It is, it's not paced or or themed or shot like a horror film. It's shot like a creepy supernatural film. It's very, very character based. And it Mm is, it's probably my favorite film since I saw The Last Jedi. Both films that I under that I can look at and see, I understand why people would not like this, but I really like this. You know, I'm really into those type of things too. Like I like pieces of work that take something familiar, like the characters from the first movie. Yeah, and they show us them in a different context, mm-hmm. so we see them as grownups. And I'll say those two films together. I can't imagine watching one right after the other because they are treated so differently and part of the cool things about the second film are the half remembrances of the first film because mm-hmm. i had not watched the second film i haven't watched the first film again since we watched it in theater when it first came out so i don't know that worked very well for me i i, I don't know if i would have i don't know if i would have liked it as much if i had you know rewatch ca- yeah done like well yeah. i better watch it before i go out to see it chapter two they're very tonally different but uh yeah but really good Really, really good. good. Highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. Full recommend. So Summer and Marissa are hanging out at the bait shop, I guess. Yeah, they're having some drinks and they're talking about sex and then Marissa gets distracted because she sees Wojciech. <laughs> she, there's this incredible shot as she's talking to Summer, trying to give her advice and like her eyes drift off and there's Wojciech stalking her. Uh, and she says, maybe the more emotionally unavailable you are, the more you want each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's a healthy relationship. And then Summer busts in with, what are you looking at? You're clearly looking off to the side. You're definitely referring to something that you're seeing. <laughs> you see, you seem to be having your own problem, and we're not talking about mine anymore. But, yeah, cool, that's how we do this. Let's just leave. Whatever. <clears throat> so, the reason. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Wait, why did you say what, what? Did you just look at your notes again and remember what happened? Well, yes, but this first scene I thought was a morning time scene, and then Summer and Marissa are at the bait shop, and now right after that, Ryan goes to Jess's house? The only thing I can assume is that Summer and Marissa went to, like... A daytime... A morning bait shop. It's not important. (laughs) It makes no sense, because we actually see a scene where Marissa tries to set this up, and that is at nighttime, and then it's morning, and... No, that might be dinner. You know, that might be dinner. I guess so, because I guess Sandy went to Matt's house. No, it's 100% dinner, because Ryan, spoiler alert, stays over at Jess's after this scene. You're right. That is a dinner scene, not a breakfast scene. So, hey, uh, we go over there, and it turns out that Jess... 
broke up with her emotionally unavailable boyfriend because of things that Ryan said. Because apparently her conversation with Ryan prompted her to break up with him. And you now, know, he's and now, a, now he's a stalker. Now he's Voychuk. Yep. Now he's, you know, doing doing that thing. And he, like, drives up and Ryan is reverting back to, like, first season Ryan. He just threatens Jim to go away. And Jim does. And Jess explains to Ryan, she's sorry. She's trying to change. He should just leave. She'll be fine. He's like, okay. And And he goes to leave. But then he makes the mistake of looking slightly to the right. (laughs) He sees, what is this picture of Trey? It is clearly a a screenshot from when Trey was leaving the hospital. (laughs) It's like a candid shot of Trey as if taken from a a private eye. It It is a still from elsewhere in this show. But, why, uh, why can they never just take, take a picture of the actor? What? <laughs> Ask him for a picture? What? Yeah, like, <laughs> or just even get a photo of him, like, looking at the ca- Get a headshot. Even if it was just a headshot, I'd be more cool of that. That they just, like, cropped into a photo. Yeah, in- <laughs> instead, it is clearly a still from early, like, last season or earlier would- this season. Probably actually be better if it was just like a selfie of him and Jess that they took on a phone when they couldn't see them or a camera where you can see yourself. So you're like top of your heads are cut off. Yeah, Cute. it's I, I this show has repeatedly just been like, ah, oh, here's an image of this person that we did not have them take a photo from. It's 2006. You could take a photo of that person. Anyway, Ryan sees that photo. He's so he decides not to leave. And as we mentioned, in fact, stays overnight. Just made eggs, two styles. Yeah, and there's what, coffee. It, what it what it comes down to, and I think, oh, I think either Seth or Kirsten really nails it. That essentially Ryan's problem that becomes that becomes clear in the scene is that Ryan is someone who is so used to having someone to protect, and what they consciously is with Sadie is that Sadie doesn't need that. Sadie's yep. doing fine, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, like Sadie fits in really well with the group. She handles herself with video games. She can fix a wall like although she, she appreciates ryan's wall fixing help no that's the thing like she doesn't she she doesn't like she has no like as much as she says she has baggage she, she does not she does not have as much baggage as ryan i think is used to like his dramatically appropriate girlfriends have always been super baggage high and so his nurturing part of himself who used to which is learned from him having to take care of his mom yeah doesn't know what to do. because yeah, he wants someone to protect. So he's like, okay, I can protect Jess. I can't protect Shady. It's Shady. I can't protect <laughs> Slim Slim Sadie. How am I supposed to? <laughs> how am I, well, how... the real person I should protect, please stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> I'm Slim Sadie. I'm real the Slim Sadie. I can fix a wall better than you can, but Tom Brady, sure. <laughs> I mean, probably yes. Sure. <laughs> so while this is going on and by this i mean kevin rapping trey calls and sadie is sadie jess is actually like really chill with trey on the phone she does genuinely really like him now it yeah i'm not i'm i am un i'm unclear about the relationship enough that like they will he will just casually meet she does he's like oh he wants me to come back but the only thing i get from this is like oh is her saying of course i do i'll have to think about it would you? I'm here with Ryan. Would you like to talk to him? Ryan says no. Which means if I imagine the others of the conversation, from what she said, is Trey being like, "Hey, do you still love me?" <laughs> of course I do. Like <laughs> she has no emotion. So, <laughs> so Aaron, your lines are, "Of course I do," and I'll have to think about it. And let's imagine this phone call happens. All right. So, bring, bring, bring. Hello. Hello. 
Trey? Do you still love me? Of course I do. Do you want to come back to Vegas? I'll have to think about it. I'm here with your brother. Would you like to talk to him? What does he want to talk to me? Ryan, do you want to talk to your brother? Long, lingering silence. It's not a good time right now. Bye, Trey. I love you. Bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way they had a human conversation there, which continues with the idea that Jess is not a human being. And Trey was, in fact, not on the phone. <laughs> I don't I don't think we need, we have to assume that Jess is being super manipulative here, but that does mean that Trey literally just does call her every day to be like, hey, you want to come back? I'm lonely. Hey, I'm lonely in Vegas. Now, Jess tells Ryan that she will try not to go back to Vegas, but it's hard when she's all alone because her dad... Is in Japan. And her mom... Is sleeping with the tennis instructor. So who's the stepdad that she stole the car from to go to Vegas? Aaron, you know the writers don't think about the past, <laughs> even though that was in the last time on. I know, she's not a person. <laughs> I I also like, I mean, not like, I uh, like in a way because it was, again, it's something that I recognize. Someone who's like, no, I cannot handle myself. You must handle me. Handle me, Ryan. Did I tell you I once had a guy um, that, you know, we've been uh, hanging out, like, in the friend friend group once say to me, hey, can you teach me how to, like, not care what people think about you? And I'm like, oh, no, I need to leave this situation. (laughs) (laughs) That is an accurate response. And I'm like... Like, it was, like, in the parking lot outside of a bar, and I'm like, dude, no, <laughs> I can't do this. I, and I don't think I ever saw him after that moment. I think I literally disconnected. <laughs> it's like, mm, goodbye forever. Well, much as Kevin said goodbye forever, Ryan says, look, when you're lonely, call your friends. Get get your friends from the college or the university college, yeah. yeah. The college you said that you go to that I have learned about. You, you oh my god, you pl- implanted more information into my head. You did not tell me that. I just know it now. This did not take place on scene, for it only took place in my head. Uh, stop implanting truths into my mind. Jess, you better call your friends and you better not put more truths into my head. <laughs> Jess the Eldritch Horror, I don't want to see you anymore. You are your sixty seven eyes gazing into the darkness. Out of here, for I am the OC. You may have forgotten, but I have not. All right, well, let's uh, head over to um, the, the the Cohen household, where Sandy is trying to get hold of Matt. But Matt is in meetings in L.A. and unavailable on the phone. Yep. Uh, Seth is... Trying to have a sex talk with his dad, which no one wants. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and least of all, Seth actually wants it starts. <laughs> That's like, let me try something. And Dad's like, mm, you're not going to want this. <laughs> but I'm going to give it to you. Uh, and then Sadie comes in, and she brought bagels, which confirms the fact that everybody loves Sadie so much. Unfortunately, Ryan is still at Jess's. Yeah. And uh, Kirsten cannot tell a lie, for she is now an angel. Yeah, and they cannot lie. If she lies, her uh, stone mask will crack, revealing the... True horror beneath, because angels are just weird things. They're beautiful and horrible. Yep. Anyway, Sadie... Uh, so I'm trying to think of, like, there's classical descriptions of angels, and I swear one of them is, like, a a wheel with eight 
wings around, like a flaming wheel with eight wings around it and an eye in the center. And that is an angel. Well, don't worry. We don't see that. We just see Sadie going, so uh, Ryan spent the night at Jess's, huh? <laughs> Sadie is also very on the ball with like how this goes. And Seth's like, we have no confirmation of that. But look, Ryan is a mess. I understand. But he also is probably the greatest person in the world. And Sadie's like, well, you know what? We might not be right because of his issues. Also, Seth, can you keep a secret and not tell Ryan we talked about this? Which seems like foreshadowing, except that Seth does keep that secret. Except it's not. <laughs> I think it's more of a joke that that's like, Seth, can you keep a secret? And the answer is clearly no. But don't worry, because he won't see Ryan. All right, let's continue on with the ongoing adventures of Taylor Townsend, human maelstrom. Who is wearing an adorable tweed suit. It's pink. Well, it's brown and pink. And the pants are capris. They're like, or they're like knee shorts. It's so cute. <laughs> and her, she goes there because, hey, Summer, we're, we're planning the prom theme and we need you there. We need you to be there and plan the prom theme with us. Remember how we're like on the planning committee? Here, I made a flyer. Take it. Mm, but no, that's not what it is. Is no. it, Aaron? It's a parent trap. Yep. Taylor, Taylor parent trapped Summer and Seth into... <laughs> What I initially assumed was relationship counseling. That's not what it is, Aaron. No. Taylor's dad, before he ran off to someone who was not a harpy, mm -hmm. was a sex therapist. Which make which answers so many questions about Taylor Townsend. Like, why she is so weirdly sexually open. It's probably because she had a very, like, healthy, like, like sex-positive upbringing. Well, her dad used to have meetings with couples in the basement. Also, she definitely listened in on that. All the time. It just, <laughs> can you just picture little Taylor wearing, like, a little pantsuit with her ear pressed to the door? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> she attempts to sex therapy, <laughs> Seth and uh, Summer. Ooh, it's... It goes so poorly that she informs them she can also do breakup counseling. <laughs> Taylor just wants to be involved is what it comes down she to. She just needs... She hasn't been on the show for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, let's head over to Sandy. He has finally gotten in touch with Matt. And Matt immediately takes this for what it is, where he's like, I don't even go to the strip club anymore. <laughs> you... Well, <laughs> I had one party. I... Wait. Yeah, I had, I had one party, which we had for the board. And also... <laughs> I'm a 26-year-old man, so I go on some dates with some girls sometimes. I, no, I think he also says, like, and also I, like, date, like, I, like, we, like, we had that party. I dated Maya, and that's it. Like, he hasn't actually been. So like, he thinks it's a witch hunt, which <laughs> we'll talk about this. <laughs> uh, and he really, he's just like, like, he, Matt wants Sandy to stand up for him. Just be like, well, this, this is insane. This is Weird, and um, Sadie does give something talking to about Marissa. And the thing is, even if Matt was partying all the time, this is still insane. It's it's still... How many 26-year-old business boys, like finance bros, are out partying every night? The thing is that that's, like... That's uh, the unfortunate thing you get into a lot of, like, these business type things where, like, it's the idea that the people do that stuff, but no one wants to be openly about it, so they always, like... Like oh you know but this is the year two thousand and six like there's no Facebook there's no Instagram it 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 it's true it actually is like like weirdly pre future 
Uh, <laughs> it's like they knew. Yeah. It's like they knew that one day we were all going to have to worry about pictures of us kissing boys at parties. We're, and I mean mad kissing boys at parties are going to pop up on social media. And how, and how, how dare you not be this, how dare you not be a, a, a doll we have pulled out of the packaging. How dare you have a past. How, how dare your past exist. <sighs> well, let's head over to something that's a little bit sweeter, for at least a little bit. It's Sadie and Ryan, and they have their, they call it a date. And they are at the diner. And it's sweet, and it's nice. And then Ryan's the- phone rings. Oh, and it's Jess, but it's not Jess. It's Jess's friend Kim. Another S- character. Sadie invited some friends over. A spontaneous party has begun. Which, again, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I actually went to a lot of parties in high school. Yeah. I have never seen this happen. This is a university party, Aaron. And, like, I know it does happen, but it happens all the time on this show. I think it's more of a, uh, more of a rich kid thing than, yeah. like, like, like us, who are not rich kids. But there's no social meds. How did this party blow up? Well, because, well, I mean, what happened was, because, was this, like, she invited some people from, you know, uh, LCU? Sure. I can't remember what they called it there. Anyway, from her, from her college, and then the word got around that I guess her house was empty, so everyone's like, yes, now we go to that house. I do want to know people out there in the world who maybe are, like America, for example, does this happen? Because I cannot comprehend in my life going to someone's house who I do not know. <laughs> well, it does happen because there have been, like, places in Calgary where kids have rented Airbnbs on their parents' credit cards and thrown parties, and those have been crashed. Okay, but and, like, they, they the place has have, been trashed. Like, like, but... shown up. I, th- I thought that was all the idea was also they just, like, do, like, like essentially try to get as many people to their places as well. Okay, I'm just going to say what I know about Jess. I don't think she invited over a, f- a few friends. I think she threw a party and then she got too drunk. No, I do also 100% believe that what happened is that, that a party be... I think that Jess existing in the world it means that eventually a party will begin around her. She is so rarely not seen at a party that I think... I think she is an elemental of the party. Well, anyway, she's gotten too drunk, and she is crying in the pool house. And, and the Jim only is person, on the way. And the only person she'll talk to is Ryan. <laughs> uh, at, this, at this point, I'm like, you know what, Jess? I don't think Trey was the problem. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but Sadie's like, okay. I mean, I guess you do have to deal with this. Now, now at this point, I kind of want to take a little trip back. To that phone call, Aaron. Do you remember your lines? Oh, yes. Yes. So, bring, 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 bring. Hello? Uh, Jess? Hey, Trey. Yeah, uh, hey, uh, did you steal my wallet? Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, of course I do. So I guess it would be, <laughs> do you have my wallet? Of course I do. Can I have that back? I'll think about it. Please? <laughs> I'm just sitting here with your brother. Can you give me my wallet back? Do you want to talk to him? Yes, I guess. Let me tell my brother to tell you to give me back my wallet. <laughs> Possible. Ryan, she's not a human being. She's a party. <laughs> she's She is the human equivalent of a party. She's not a human being, though. Ryan, you must know. I know you're the OC. You, you must escape. You are the only one who can defeat her. <laughs> she, is, she is an eldritch being. <laughs> her many faces will fall away to reveal the dark aether beneath. She is greater than any... Any villain you have defeated so far, you're not ready, Ryan. Except Ryan just goes silently, like, no. I doesn't want to talk to you. (laughs) 
So Sadie essentially tells Ryan, like, okay, you got to deal with this. But, like, if you keep being dumb, I don't know. Deal with your dumbness so we can be together. Not in as many words, but yeah. That's the summary of the episode. <laughs> this is, yes, the summary of the episode. In this scene, I think she's like, all right, yeah, whatever. Do what you think. And then she leaves. And they don't get their food. Like, I, they, they leave without, like, that way. I didn't even think they ordered. No, they did. She did order. She said, yeah, like, the, the server's there as. Oh, that's right. And they talked <laughs> to the pancakes. Which they both just leave. And the server comes back with food. Just like, ah, teens and their dramas. So, uh, Marissa wanders the bait shop alone, and Boychuk's like, oh, hey. And she's like, I'm not looking for you. And he's like, you clearly are. You remember how I said my, like, my favorite sequence of events, the soap opera thing where Marissa, like, goes and be like, like, what are you doing? And him being like, nothing. And her, and her be like, okay, and leaving. Then I'm grabbing her wrist and being like, wait. This is my second favorite one, where she's clearly walking around the bait shop looking for him. And he is there because he's stalking her so he followed her there so he followed her there uh and her being like i'm not looking for you and he's like you clearly are because you're lonely so come be not lonely but no be with and me no i don't want to and she leaves ryan arrives at the party and just his friend immediately recognize him from his bewildered face <laughs> mm, you look like you don't belong here ryan so ryan goes to the pool house just just lets him in jess is so drunk and she wants to be with ryan so much because he takes care of her mm-hmm. and she is kissing his you, neck you can see how ryan does attract people like this though because he is a caring person who has outwardly all the like bad, bad boy trappings yeah, he is not a bad boy but he's oh. outwardly all the bad boy trappings and he can talk sternly and take a punch yeah, so they're like, ah, oh, yes, you are all the things that I enjoy, but then as I date for longer, they realize, oh, but you're obviously not a bad boy at all. You won't give me all the drama that I need. You are too boring for me, you sweet, sweet man. So, you know, she tries to make out with him, and then Jim comes in. And then Jim and Ryan have some words, and Ryan's like, okay, we're not going to fight in front of the girls. Let's go outside. Kim, lock the door behind me. Keep her safe. <laughs> yeah, and then they have, like... A little bit of a fisticuff fight. Uh, Basically, Ryan tries to have words, and Jim's like, I'm going to try to punch you in the face. And Ryan's like, absolutely not. Yeah, Ryan, like, throws him down the ground. Then Jim says, <laughs> Jim, this isn't your problem. And Ryan goes, yeah, this is, thank you, Jim. You're right. This isn't my problem. And just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he just, just like, kind of tries to chase him down. And he's like, Jess... You gotta get your life together. He knew what I did when that young teen boy. I was. I mean, I was the same. I was also teen at the time. I know. I was like. I was nineteen. So I guess I was a teen. You were a teen. Um, <laughs> when he asked me, "Can you teach me how to not care what people think?" He did the same thing I did there. I'm like, mm, I'm disengaging from this situation. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Ryan does tell Jess that he will stop dating girls like her, and you need to stop stop dating guys like him. <laughs> accurate alright Taylor has one last one last attempt to to salvage her favorite ship and she does it by teaching Seth about raunchy sex via a pop-up Kama Sutra (laughs) which which was given to her by Dean Jacques yeah I think she stole it from him I don't think it's clear because he gave it to her 
but they had a lot of very disturbing sex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do like she holds it at him like the Ark of the Covenant. Like she can't look in it, but he must. Well, <laughs> and, sorry, go ahead. And no, I was about, I was about to say like, and yeah, that that is her like final. Man, she is so involved in their sex life. And in a scene of contrasts, while that is happening, Ooh, girl, Dr. Griffin and Sandy meet. And Sandy's like, I'm not firing Matt. Like, I'll transfer him off the project, but I'm not firing. No. Also, I've been thinking about this for a little bit. And are you sure this isn't about your daughter, Maya? Apparently, Maya cried for days, and I'm still not sure what Maya was devastated over. She loves, she, the one thing we know, there is one character trait we know about Maya, like, all the way through, and that is, she loves Matt. But Matt wanted to date Maya, and then Maya was upset that Sandy asked her to talk to her dad, so she moved to New York. Yeah, it is, it is a very, like, emotionally fraught thing that you, I can see in the drama sphere of how it would go through, but, like, no, there's a lot of stuff there that, that was not dealt with. So, so did yeah. Maya lie to her dad and be like, he broke up with me. He broke my heart. And her dad was like, hmm, I'll destroy well, him. Especially considering how she did give the present and, like, and like she got them to this point. It, it, it really sounds like Dr. Griffin has made this decision of his own, own volition to be like, mm, no, it made my daughter very sad. So what you have to do is fire Matt or we will not build this hospital. Sandy. I have chosen to throw the Hippocratic Oath out the door. I have chosen my loyalties, which are not the ethical repercussions of my career. I love him as a doctor being like, I have chosen my loyalties, which is not to the patient. Now you choose (laughs) yours. Yeah, it's like, he's really trying to make this sound like like he's some sort of stand-up guy who's like, my honor dictates that I must do this. But I'm like... You're a scumbag. Yeah. You, you, you decided to put, uh, to do, to take this entire thing that means so much to a whole lot of people and just be like, yes, but my daughter was sad. My daughter was sad after she broke up with a boy. So we must punish so the you, boy. So you must fire him. <laughs> you must destroy his future, and it, Sandy. And the great thing is that even after Sandy calls him out on it, Dr. Griffin's like, no, but still you have to fire him. So I don't understand why Sandy can't go to the board and be like, look. (laughs) This guy guy is clearly emotionally compromised. He is behaving in an unethical fashion. I feel like this might be illegal in some way. It's not good. (laughs) But, like, even if it's not illegal, it should be. (laughs) I don't know what law this would break, but this feels real, like, real bad. Yeah, this is not great. You, you can't all agree on this, right? There's multiple people. As far as we can tell, there's only one person on each one of these boards. There's the board. Yeah. There's, the, there's the board who wants the parties, and there's the board that is doctors. And one person belongs to each of them and makes all the decisions. <sighs> so here's some dumb short things. Summer and Marissa have a phone call because Summer thinks that Seth is going to break up with her, and Marissa is left alone at the diner. I don't so... know why she went to the diner before... I think they were supposed to meet there, and Summer was late. Ah, uh, yeah, that would make sense. Because Merce actually calls Summer. Then right. uh, Sandy tells Kirsten that the meeting went fine, and then Matt calls, and Sandy is too emotionally distraught to answer the phone. So then Matt just looks off into the distance. Then Ryan reflects in the pool house, and Kirsten weirdly appears, I guess, to lock the door. <laughs> but she's surprised because Ryan is in it. Yeah, I don't know where she thought he would 
be on his date with Sadie. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, she, she does say like, uh, you know, it's never too late. Maybe you should, instead of dwelling in your hole, <laughs> go and talk to Sadie. Like an adult. And uh, now this scene is longer, but much more troubling. <laughs> Summer is sitting on her bed, holding Princess Sparkle for emotional support. For she thinks that Seth is going to break up with her. And he comes in and he says, no. Put that horse away. It cannot see what is about to happen. Because we're going to have sting levels of tantric sex. Taylor Townstead taught me so much. And Summer tries to slap him. And he catches and, it. And she tries to slap him. And I, th- I thought the implication there was supposed to be that they are now so in tune that he can catch her slaps out of midair. Which I was a little bit more okay with. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Instead, here's a little bit of a jump forward. The The implication is like, yeah, they just need to fight all the time. Because it makes their sex great. Once again, yeah, that's how you, uh, that's, a, that's a healthy relationship. That's a great method. Yeah, yeah. So here's a very cute short scene. You know, a nice palate cleanser, as it were. Yeah. Ryan just walks into Sadie's house. And yeah. she is sitting in the dark. Making jewelry. And he tells her the story of why he has the car. Because when he and Trey were little, they used to play cars locked in their room while their mom was drinking. And Trey used to promise that he would buy them a Camaro and they could drive away forever. But he could never afford that. So they stole a Camaro and so on and so forth. Here we are today. He no longer talks to Trey. So it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be, but it's not far off. It's, it's pretty close. It's a lot sweeter. It's a lot sweeter that, no, he got him the toy car because we're referencing them playing with the toy car, not the fact that it is the exact same car they stole. And Sadie says, you can tell me about your insane past with your drunk mom and your deadbeat brother. Yeah. And Ryan says, no, I don't like to weigh people down with my problems. I like, and then, of course, Sadie adds, like, because you're so used to being the one. Who's weighed who down. Weighed, you know, who's carrying the load. And I really like this. I like that, essentially, Ryan's thing has always been, he's like, yes, I'm the one who people, like, I'm the. I'm the. I'm so strong. I will just take it in. It doesn't matter. So, But Sadie's like, no, no, it's fine if you. And can you imagine Ryan trying to open up to Marissa? <laughs> Marissa would just, like, bring analogies to herself or be like, I can't hear this. You know what Trey did to me. (laughs) I know you're sad, but also I'm sad. Ryan, I can't talk to you about Trey because you keep trying to talk about Trey. Well, not even that. Just being like, I know your past. My mother is also bad, but now I have a good relationship with her. Okay. Okay. But Sadie was just like, I understand. Now, luckily, she is a good listener. And a good kisser. Yeah. And, and then, now it's time for a sex montage. Yeah. Seth and Summer have finished their sex, but are to begin again. And uh, Sadie and Ryan have some sex, I assume. <laughs> Renovation sex is what I called it. <laughs> and uh, Marissa gets home from her sad oh. walk home from the bait shop. And Boychuk is sitting... Stalk- stalking her. Sitting outside of the trailer smoking. And she ignores him, and she walks into the trailer, but she leaves the door open. Yes, and that is a clear signal for Wojciech to come in and for them to also have sex. How can in this episode they do... It's... what What's insane to me is in this episode they, have, they both have, Oh man, this person's stalking Jess, and that's terrible. And hey, this person's stalking Marissa, and that's hot. Maybe we're not supposed to think it's hot. But the problem is... 
like Cam Gianti, <laughs> who plays Voychuk, is very attractive. It's and Marissa likes it. Y- yeah, it's it's the sort of thing where like it's weird. They they also sort of do the thing where it's like oh with you know uh, Seth and Summer they they uh, they haven't been fighting and that's the problem with the relationship versus hey Marissa or um, hey Ryan and Sadie don't fight and that's what's good about the relationship like I get the idea that things are complex and like all relationships are different but to have like but that doesn't seem like what they're implying they sort of like in the same two different two different types of things in the same episode where they're both explicitly <laughs> stalking yes and being like no this is a bad one this is a good one though because cam giotti is hotter than jim although jim was pretty hot too yeah but jim i think was supposed to be seen as like like newport hall like he you know he was he he sort of had the the polo guy look well we were, i was gonna say also we don't know jim it's true we don't and know we jim. do know Voychuk, and, and Voych- we understand his secret pain that johnny was always better than him also, also, once again, brought back the watch that he kidnapped Marissa with. <laughs> so is he actually just trying to get what Johnny couldn't get? There's I, a lot of layers to what he's doing. The, pro- the problem is that they keep on bringing up things and trying to twist them into something better. Because I'm like, oh man, he kept the watch. Maybe he loved her all along. And I'm like, wait, so that means way back then we're supposed to be like, oh, he was starting to develop feelings for her? It, there's no way to look at the whole Voychuk thing in the context of the entire season and not have it be like, eh. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic threw a party and it just got too big, and they definitely did not want that, except that their secret alter ego drama did. <laughs> I did find a moment. It was kind of a Jess moment, but it was actually a Sadie moment, and it was really, really early on in the episode. Yeah. Um, when Jess first comes to the door, and Sadie comes up just at the end, just to hear Jess being like, oh, well, you can talk to me anytime you want. You know where I live. And they sort of are setting up this, like, Jess and Sadie jealousy thing that lasts approximately two lines. And they're like, <laughs> Approximately to the end of that scene. Well, no, there is. the When he goes over to her house at some point, she's like, oh, so that Hooters waitress, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes, yeah. But then, like, she's literally never jealous of Jess. She just wants Ryan to, like, focus yeah. on her, which is reasonable. It's almost like the show was like, oh, we got to do this. And remembered, no, we don't have to do that anymore. We're not like our third season. We've grown beyond it. But yeah. for some reason still did <laughs> it a little bit. They kept the lines in. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, did you find the CW moment? I did. We didn't really talk about it, mostly because it, once again, it means nothing. So I don't know why we would talk about it. But the scene before Summer and Marissa hang out, because the ongoing point of this episode is that Marissa is kind of feeling alone. Yes, and Marissa mopes in the trailer. She calls Summer. She gets the voicemail. voicemail, And then the very next scene is them hanging out anyways. So why do we need the scene where she calls and like, oh, Summer's too busy for her. No, she's not. They meet up anyways. Summer was probably just in the bathroom or (laughs) something. Yeah, I imagine how that went is that Marissa picked up the phone, called Summer, got the voicemail, didn't leave a voicemail, hung up. Then like a minute later, got a call from Summer being like, hey, you want to hang out tonight? Or she's like, hey, I saw that you called. Sorry, I was in the bathroom. What up? There's not even, I don't think, a commercial break between them. It's literally Marissa calls Summer, then the whole scene with Sandy and Kirsten and Ryan getting the call from Jess. Then Summer and Marissa are hanging are out. Are at the bait shop. They're, 
it is the most clear thing of like, yeah, this is the set that Marissa's alone, except for she's not because she immediately gets a call back. And I'm sorry, I have no sympathy for Marissa. She is back at school. If she doesn't have friends, that's her own choice. And also, like, she could still be friends with the group. She just has to not be weird with Ryan. And I mean, I get it. It's hard. Your ex-boyfriend has a new girlfriend. Your group is not that big. Yeah. But when I was in high school, I dated Corey. And then we broke up. And then he was still a part of the group. So we just still hung out. And then I got a new boyfriend. There are a lot of times that people... Like, break up. Hey, this is a more of a real-life thing, because I understand TV show. Um, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of times where people break up, and you still continue... To be in the same friend the group. Same friend. It doesn't happen all the time. You are not obligated to be friends with an ex, but you also aren't obligated to never see that ex again, because... I think we mentioned this last episode. It's weird to think, especially if you date someone for a long time, that you spend so much of your life essentially connected like that. It's so intertwined. How do you untangle it that quickly? Yeah. So... And I mean, sometimes people do isolate themselves like this, but the problem is it's Marissa. And Marissa has a pattern of making bad choices and then being like, oh, my life is so hard. So many bad things happen to me. Do you know who I actually feel the most worse for? Matt. I know. Matt, who... Who liked Maya. And, and like, is literally has only ever done good things to help people. Like, the worst thing he had is that where he essentially purposely... Like, not purposely, but he stressed himself out trying to work too hard. And then just started doing nothing. Yeah. Um... Because that, cause they, they set up where it seems like, oh, maybe he is a screw-up with the whole strip club thing. But he literally was going to see his friend to, like, Yeah, be like, out. too many emotions. <laughs> he, he hit it. He, he almost disguised it as if he was a skis bag by, like, bringing Ryan. Be like, yeah, we're at a strip club now. Ah, please, friend, I'm so sad right now. I need please help. help me. I pretended that I was, like, really into strip clubs. <laughs> and then he, like... Was like, I guess I could use Maya, but then fell for her. Yeah. And then she wouldn't have anything to do with him, but then she did date him, and then he really liked her. Yeah. And then, and then she broke up with him because Sandy asked her to help them, which is a fair thing to ask. Yeah. I, th- I think in her mind, she broke up with him because he agreed with Sandy that they need her help. Like, I think but, that, like, they I, did need... Oh, no, yeah. it's totally because he agreed, yeah, yeah. but, it's, like... It's because of the moment where she turns to him and goes... You know, I also think that that, like, and maybe it's just us not seeing it as big of a problem. And I maybe that also comes from us coming from, like, more of a an art, artist background. Versus where we're a, all helping each other all the time yeah, and it, everyone's calling in favors. Yeah, it doesn't matter your relationship with people. The idea is that, like, like everybody helps everyone. You, ca- yeah. you cast your friends and things. You, you, you know, uh, if you're out for dinner with people and your friend's boyfriend goes, oh, my God, can you talk to this director you're working with right now? Because I would love to be in his next show. Yeah. You go, yeah. Maybe in the business world, it's it's a lot. It feels a lot more like being you. And each individual person feels different ways about it. So maybe that's the whole thing. But still, yeah, weird. Yeah. And if I were if I were Maya, I'd be like, you know, I appreciate that Matt felt uncomfortable with this. So Sandy was the one who asked me. <laughs> that's true. Like it. Yeah. 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 There, there, there's a whole lot there that's based on the fact that this is a TV show. And uh, it's full of unethical doctors, except for Neil, who's very good. God, it's so terrible. He's like, yes, I admit this is for my daughter. Still fire him. I have chosen. The the lie where he says you have to, like, choose your your loyalty. And he's a 
doctor <laughs> who is threatening to not build a hospital in a in an area that is desperate like as people here it is desperately in need like it could service so many people who need help and he's like no fire mat <laughs> garbage remember we were trying to figure out if that board of doctors was like corrupt was also like skeezy and corrupt i think they are yeah they're terrible and you know there's been some garbage people on this show i would suggest here is my hot take <laughs> That Dr. Griffin is more garbage than Voychuk. Well, because he's mean, an adult who has been trained in ethics and should know better. It also makes it that much worse because it seems like if that's the case, then the only way they are going to get this through was by having Maya talk to him. Because it sounds like that's the only way they work. So, garbage. Such garbage. <laughs> so if you want to talk to us about this hot garbage, you can uh, either get us uh, on. Twitter or uh, social media. So that's at Podcast Moa, Podcast MOA. And you can also give us some ratings, some reviews, some subscriptions on Apple Podcasts or your podcaster of choice. If you too hate hot garbage, you need to give us that support. If you love hot garbage, well, then you should listen to us in two weeks and we're going to start uh, recapping Riverdale again. And we're going to love that hot garbage then. <laughs> uh, you can also uh, get us uh, individually, Aaron. Uh, anything to. I'm at a flimsy plan blog on Twitter, a flimsy plan on Instagram. Sometimes I post there. You'll like it. Kevin, what about you? Uh, I can be found at Strawman K Weir. Um, I'm, I also, of course, have my no my novel Endless Hunger, is a cyberpunk fantasy, and I just wrapped up season one of All Gods Fall, a fantasy adventure through a. Fantasy land. I guess I said fantasy twice in that. So uh, if you've been holding off buying it off of Amazon because you want closure, no guarantees you'll get closure, <laughs> but you can get all five novellas. It's true. It is season one, and I do hope to do season two. But part five, Babor's Veil, is now available. Uh, they're all available. You should read them in order, or else it wouldn't make any damn sense. Because that's but, how book series works. If you get on Amazon, they're ebooks. You should uh, pick them up. Uh, and I guess we'll see you next week. I think that's everything. Woot. Will Sandy fire Matt? What's next for Marissa and Voychuk? Is this the last we've seen of Jess? Oh, I hope so. Well, for answers all to more, join us next week on Miss Jess Eyes and Abs. A teen drama fan cast.